We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to Redemption Church. Praise God. Yes. Okay, good. All right. Somebody's out there. Good. Man, that's a long story short. Well, that's a long intro. That felt like a... Welcome to Redemption Church. I'm so glad to see you all in the house of God today. And again, welcome to everyone tuning in online. Thank you for checking us out. Hi, Mom. I hope you're watching. We are so glad to be able to connect to people here in North Texas and all around the world. God is good. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And we're especially glad for the youth here in Redemption Church. We've been going through this long story short sermon series, trying to make the story of the Bible digestible, understandable, even for the youths in our church. We got these handy note papers back in the back. We got pens. So I'm looking at you, blessing kids. We're Take some good notes, okay? You've heard this sermon like three times now, but still, don't just doodle. All right. No, we're, we're going through our long story short sermon series. We're taking a look at the story of the Bible. Stories are important. Our lives are made up of stories. We are surrounded by stories. There are stories of our life. There are stories that are personal to us. I could tell you the story of my grandmother and how I got a lot of my Hawaiian shirts. I could tell you the story of what brought me to North Texas from Florida. I could tell you the story of how I found my way into Redemption Church and, and ultimately wound up standing here in front of you delivering this message. We we're surrounded by stories. Our lives are made up of stories. Here at Redemption Church, we have stories of God doing miraculous things. God moving in this church, in the people sitting in the room with you right now. Stories make up our lives. As I said, we're surrounded by stories, but nowadays, we're especially surrounded by stories in pop culture, in the media, in movies, on television in comic books. We're surrounded by stories, and a lot of times we focus on those stories more than we focus on the stories that make up our history. We might know some personal stories from our own individual lives, but we don't focus as much on the stories of where we came from, people that came before us. Instead, we tend to focus on movies and things. Who knows the story of Batman and how little Bruce Wayne lost his parents in the alley? Yeah, we know that story. Who knows the story of, at least part of the story of Star Wars, right? Yeah, we know that story. Love it. All right. Maybe if we're really nerdy, we know the story of some Shakespearean plays. Maybe? maybe? Anybody? No, not some. We know, we know these stories, but do we know the stories that matter, the stories that are really important, because it's the stories that form who we are that we need to be focused on. How did we get here? Where are we going? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you feel confident that you know the story of the Bible? Not just your life verse, not just 
maybe some parts and like the Jesus part. And, uh, you know, he did that one thing that one time. But how many of us really feel like we know the story of the Bible? It's important. We need to know it. We need to be sharing it. We need to be living in it because we are a part of that story. And it's the stories that we think about and we reflect on that that make up who we are and influence how we live our lives. And the story of the Bible needs to be at the center of all of that. It's the most important story there is. Amen? Amen. Good. That's why we're doing this series, this long story short sermon series. We're taking a look at the story of the Bible and we're trying to make it into some concise chunks that we can digest, that we can receive and and make a part of our life. All right, we've been going through the Bible piece by piece. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the story of Daniel. Who here has heard of Daniel? Right? Lions? Yeah? We, he's a popular topic in Sunday school. It's good. We're going to be talking about him, but we're really going to be taking a look at his life. But before we get there, I wanted to do a little bit of recap. All right? So, we've been going through the story of the Bible. The children of Israel, there was a guy named Jacob. He got his name changed to Israel. He had a bunch of kids, and then they went down to Egypt, and then they were persecuted, and then God delivered them up out of there through the wilderness. God gave them a land, and he gave them a law. God took the children of Israel and said, here, Here's the promised land, the land that I promised to your forefather Abraham. Here's the land you're going to live in. You are going to be my people. And here's how I want you to live so that people see you and know you are my people because you're living according to my law. So he gave them a land. He gave them a law. But they were meant to be God's special people, but they wanted to be like the nations around them. They were called out to be set apart, to be special, but they wanted to be, they wanted to be like those guys and, and those cool guys over there. Why be like the people around them? They wanted a king. And so first they got King Saul. Y'all remember tall King Saul? Yeah, he looked like a king. He was very tall, very handsome. He looked very regal. He didn't act like a good king. He didn't follow. God's commands. He looked like a king on the outside, but he wasn't a good king for Israel. Instead, God has the prophet Samuel go and anoint a little shepherd boy, a guy that was like last in his family, the one that they wanted to leave out in the field. Because God looks on the heart and he could see that that little shepherd boy, David, was a man after God's own heart. And so he has him anointed. He eventually becomes king, King David, and he's a great king. So Israel eventually gets a great king. Then his son becomes king, King Solomon. He's a very wise king. He's a pretty good king. He builds a temple to God, this beautiful temple layered with gold. It's amazing. He's, he's an all right king. He's known for his wisdom, but later in life, he kind of gets off course a little bit. Then his son becomes king, Rehoboam. 
He's not a good king. Not so good because the nation gets divided. It gets it breaks into two whole separate nations that don't really like each other. And when that happens to the nation that you're ruling over, you're not a good king. That's 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 a sign that you're doing something wrong, okay? Well, so this trend continues. Israel has some good kings and some less good kings. But over time, the people more and more are turning away from God's laws and worshiping other gods like the nations around them. They're doing the things that God told them not to do. God told them what would happen several times if they get away from his commands and start doing things that he told them specifically not to do. God told them what's going to happen. He told them back in the days of Abraham. He told them through Moses multiple times. We can read in Deuteronomy. It says, if they do not obey his commands, their sons and daughters will be taken away by another people. Another nation will eat their produce and oppress them. And they will eventually be taken captive to a land that they do not know. These are specific things that God says are going to happen if you start worshiping other gods, if you get away from the way that I tell you to live. This is what the result is going to be. Israel, come on! But they sort of lost track of that. They lost track of the story. And they're deviating. They're going off and doing their own thing. That's not what God wants. God doesn't want that for his people. And so he sends word to people through his prophets. God sends the prophets to the people. They bring the word of God to the people. Specific messages from God. Last week we heard about a prophet. A prophet named Jonah. Clyde told us about him. He's my favorite. Uh, he was sent by God. Yeah, Clyde's my favorite. Well, Jonah was sent by God to an evil city called Nineveh in a country called Babylon. And he was sent to tell them that God had seen the evil they were doing and God was going to destroy them. And eventually he went and delivered that message to them. And they repented. They turned back from their evil ways at that time. And God spared them. That's the way it's supposed to work. God would send his prophets with a message. And hopefully the people would receive that message. And it would influence what they're doing. Hopefully they would turn back to God and start doing things the way God wanted them to do. Well, God sent prophets to Israel too. But Israel didn't listen like Nineveh did. The people of Israel continue to turn away from God and worship false gods like the nations around them. So guess what happened? Just what God said would happen. Eventually they are invaded. They are defeated. And then the people of Israel are taken captive, taken away to another land, to a evil pagan nation. Babylon, the same one that was doing evil stuff back when God sent Jonah to them. 
they're still around and they're back to doing evil stuff because they don't really worship the true God. They worship false gods and they're, they're a ruthless, bloodthirsty people. And they come in and they conquer and they take the people of Israel away. They're slaves now. They're led into captivity, just like God said would happen. On top of that, remember that beautiful temple that Solomon built? The temple to the one true God? Destroyed. It's wiped out. It's gone. The nation is basically destroyed. For Israel, it looks like this is the end of the story. Right? Can you see that? But this, this moment is where Daniel's story begins. That's where we're starting off tonight. All right? God can do incredible things. Even when it looks like the end, God can begin a new part of the story that goes off in a direction you never expected. So it's important that we know the story of our Bible. And it's also important to know which books tell which parts of the story. Kids, I'm watching. Listen up. It's important to know what parts of your Bible tell what parts of the story because it's not exactly in order. All right? Last week we looked at Jonah. Tonight we're looking at Daniel. But if you got your Bible with you, you're welcome to open it up. Open to the book of Daniel. We're going to be going through that. It comes before the book of Jonah in your Bible. Daniel lived after Jonah, but the book in the Bible comes before Jonah. We need to know what's in our Bible and how it's laid out. We need to know the story that it tells us. All right? So who was Daniel? Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us much about him before he was taken to Babylon. We know that he was part of the royal family, so he was a descendant of King David. And we know that he was a young man when he was taken captive. He was probably like a teenager. He was very young when he was taken away to live in this pagan nation. But beyond that, we don't know a whole lot. Except there's one thing that we can tell from the book of Daniel. And that is this. Daniel had one heck of a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't tell us who it was, but whoever that was, they belong in the Sunday school teacher all-time hall of fame. Because Daniel was aware of God's story. Daniel knew God. He knew about God. Someone had planted that seed of faith in the true God in Daniel so strongly that even when he was taken to a foreign nation, a pagan nation as a teenager, and lived there for 70 years, that faith, that story still lived in him just as strong. That's amazing. We need to have that's that strong of a faith living in us. That's why we need to know the story of our Bible. That's why we need to know God's story. Daniel was faithful throughout his life. So 
It looked like the story of Israel was over. Daniel knew that the story wasn't over. He remained faithful to God. And the book of Daniel tells us about events throughout Daniel's life in Babylon, and they show us how he remained faithful. And they show us God at work in his life, even in this foreign country. So let's take a look at the chapters in Daniel and these episodes in Daniel's life. If you turn to Daniel chapter 1. So Babylon has defeated Israel. And the king of Babylon, he's a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He decides he wants to take some young Israelites and put them in his wise men apprenticeship program. He wants to train them up to become some of his new wise men. So Daniel and some of his friends are taken to Babylon. And they are basically taught to be Babylonians. They are even given new Babylonian names. Daniel's new name is Belteshazzar, which to me is a cool name. Daniel's a great name. I've known some Daniels. I've had co-workers named Daniel. But Belteshazzar, man, it's a shame that that one didn't catch on. I would be much happier if my kids watched Belteshazzar Tiger. I it just sounds better. The, one of my favorite actors, you know, the little short guy used to be in Taxi. Wouldn't it be cool if he was Shazzy DeVito? <laughs> All right. It doesn't catch on. Daniel doesn't need a new Babylonian name. He knows who he is. Daniel remembers God's story. He remembers that he is an Israelite. He remembers who God has called him to be. Don't let the things around you tell you who you are. Especially if it is different from who God says you are. Don't let the world tell you who you should be if it's different than who God has called you to be. We know which one's more important. We know which one should have more sway in our life. You need to know who you are. And even when the world tries to tell you who you are, remember who God says you are. That's who we need to be. That's the life we need to pursue. King Nebuchadnezzar tries to tell Daniel, all right, you're going to be a Babylonian. Daniel says, well, we'll see about that. So, He's being trained up. He's in this training program. And part of that program is that he gets to eat from the king's table. Hey, hey, he gets some good eats. He gets some fancy food. But Daniel has to be a troublemaker. Daniel asks, do you have a vegan option? No, not exactly. Sort of. Daniel does say, I can't eat this food. It's not because he's on a special diet. He's not lactose intolerant. He's not trying to avoid gluten. God has told the Israelites, there are certain foods that they're not supposed to eat. Those foods are unclean and you shouldn't touch them. And Daniel says, even though I'm in Babylon, even though this is the way they do things here, even though they gave me a new Babylonian name, my God told me I can't eat that. So would it be all right if I eat something else instead? He's respectful about it. He makes his request. 
And after a trial period, he gets to eat the food that God says he can eat. And it works out well for him. He's healthy. Everything's great. And God, Daniel continues to be faithful to God. So then, chapter 2. The king of Babylon has a dream. He realizes it's an important dream. There's something to this. There, I'm, there's a meaning to this dream, but he doesn't know what it is. So he consults his wise men. All right, you guys, I've had this incredible dream. And I want you to tell me what it means. And they say, yes, sir. What was the dream about? And he says, ah, 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 ah. If you're wise men, if you really know what the dream means, you can also tell me what the dream was. Ooh, that's a tall order. And the wise men say, nobody can tell you what your dream was. It was your dream. And the king says, well, look, one of you guys is going to tell me what my dream was, and then you're going to tell me what it means, or I'm going to kill all of y'all, and I'm going to get myself some new wise men, because clearly you guys aren't that wise. King Nebuchadnezzar meant business, right? Well, Daniel's been through this wise men training program. He's one of the wise men now, so his head is on the chopping block. He, he's one of the people that the king is going to kill. Nobody can know what King Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. But Daniel knows that God knows what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. And God can tell him what that dream means. So, even though it's impossible for men, it is not impossible for God. Daniel prays, and God reveals to Daniel what the dream was and what the meaning was. And then Daniel goes before the king. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 27, Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery that he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And Daniel describes this incredible dream. And then he goes through what it means. King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about this big statue of a man. And it was made of different materials. The head was made of gold. The chest was made of silver. The midsection was made of bronze. And the legs were made of iron. And then the feet were made of clay mixed with iron. And then, out of nowhere, this rock that's not made with human hands, just comes out of nowhere, and boom, smashes the feet. And then the whole statue goes down, and it crumbles into dust and blows away. But that rock 
That rock stays and it grows into a big mountain that fills the whole earth. It's a wild dream. And Daniel reveals to the king what it means. God is revealing different kingdoms that are going to come in the future. Gold is Babylon. That's his kingdom. And then silver is another kingdom. It's the Medes and the Persians that's going to come after them. And bronze is the Greeks that's going to come after them. And iron is the Romans. But then there's going to be this other kingdom that's going to come. And it's going to be greater than all of them. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But God, the true God, is able to do the impossible. He's able to reveal mysteries. And Daniel is able to reveal this mystery to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel correctly interprets the dream. And the king acknowledges Daniel's God. He says, yes, your God is a real God, Daniel. Congratulations. And on top of that, you're now in charge of the wise men. You're now the head over all the wise men in the land. All right. Good job, Daniel. Chapter 3. So the king, he's acknowledged Daniel's God, but that doesn't mean that he is now a follower of Daniel's God. He hasn't converted to Daniel's religion. He still worships other gods. He still has his pagan ways. So the king sets up this big golden idol. It's like 90 feet tall, made of gold. And he commands that when the band plays, everybody has to fall down and worship this golden idol. Or if they don't do that, they're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace and they're going to be burned to death. In this chapter, Daniel's out of town. But there are these three Hebrew children who would not bow. They would only worship the true God. Man, that would make a good song. So these are Daniel's fellow Israelites. And they know who the true God is. And they know that God has commanded them. It's in the Ten Commandments. You will have no other gods. Do not make any idols and bow down and worship them. And so they say, no. The music starts playing and they say, nope. Sorry. Our God told us we can't worship your idol, King Nebuchadnezzar. The king is not happy. He got this band together and everything, and they're playing. You guys, come on. This is the part where you bow down and worship the thing. He went to all this trouble. And nope, sorry. Well, this makes King Nebuchadnezzar very mad. So he has his men heat up the furnace. Get that furnace going. If these guys aren't going to bow down and worship my golden idol, we're, we're tossing them in. And he's so mad. He says, heat it up seven times hotter than it normally is. To us today in our modern terms, that means it was slightly hotter than an August afternoon here in North Texas. All right? It's hot. It's burning hot. It's so it is so hot that when they take them, when the guards take the Israelites and are about to throw them in, 
the heat kills the guards. It kills people that aren't even in the furnace yet. But they, they toss them in, and God delivers them. God is with them. God protects them through the fire, and they are not harmed. And when they bring them out, their clothes aren't even singed. They don't smell like smoke. They are perfectly fine. And again, the king acknowledges, your God is a real God. Everybody, pay attention to these guys, God. They, they know something. They know what they're talking about. Yeah, everybody. Let's hear it for the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right. Yeah. So they acknowledge, the king acknowledges the true God. But he still doesn't quite get that that is the only true God. He still doesn't completely get what God's role is in our life and, and how we are to live our lives with this God. So, chapter 4. The king has another dream. It's weird. It's about a big tree. And then the tree gets chopped down. And so the king knows who to call. Daniel, I had a dream. Get over here. Tell me what it means. Daniel interprets the dream to him and tells him, this is what's going to happen. This is what's about to happen in your life. And the king says, oh, cool. Okay, thanks. Bye. And then it happens, just like Daniel described. The king is proud. The king is arrogant. The king is walking along the walls of his city, looking around at how great Babylon is. Look at this place. This is awesome. And you know why this city, this country is so awesome? Because of me. I did this. This I am the best king ever, and I made this all happen. I am the best. There is nobody like me. I am so great. He's all proud. And no, he doesn't acknowledge that all that we have, all that we're able to do, comes from God. And so God humbles him. God strikes him. And makes him go crazy. It's strange. It's weird. The king of the most powerful nation in the world at that time has to go out and he's out living in the wilderness. He's in the fields eating grass like an animal. His fingernails grow all out long and weird and his hair is all straggly and it says it looks like the feathers of an eagle. This should be the most powerful man in the world at that time, but he's living like an animal and he can't do anything. He can't rule his country. He can't do anything but eat grass. And he has to live like that for a time, maybe even seven years. And then God restores his mind to him and he comes to his senses and realizes, man, without God, we're no better than the animals. Without God, I wouldn't be where I am. And so he praises God. This king of this pagan nation praises God and thanks him, realizing what God has done for him. All right, great job, King Nebuchadnezzar. Then chapter five, he's gone. And a new king, 
takes the throne of Babylon. This is King Belshazzar. He is the son of Nebuchadnezzar. And he doesn't know the story. He hasn't been paying attention. Even to the events of his father's reign, his father's life, he hasn't been paying attention to what God is doing while his father was king. Because he becomes king and he has no regard for God. He gets a great idea. He's going to throw a big party. And he gets out all of the fancy stuff, all the gold plates and cups and all the gold pieces that they stole out of the temple of God in Israel. All the things that were consecrated to God. He gets them out. <laughs> Man, this party's going to be awesome. They're going to think I'm so great. I got gold plates. And don't forget, we're going to be eating our fancy party meals off these golden plates while we're worshiping Dagon and Baal and all these other fake false gods. That's what his whole party is going to be about. God is not pleased. So, to put it bluntly, God gives him the finger. Literally, if you read it, it says fingers appear in the party while the party is going on and start. What did you think I meant? You guys, come on. They appear and start. They start writing on the wall. But nobody can understand what it's writing. And so the king, he, he's paid attention to at least one thing. He says, I cannot interpret that. I need the wisest person in the land. Get me Daniel. Daniel, get over here. So Daniel comes and is called to interpret what God has written on the wall. This is where we get the expression, the writing on the wall, or the handwriting on the wall. It comes from this story. If you've ever heard that, this is where that comes from. So, Daniel comes and tells him that he has not humbled himself before God, and that writing means that he is about to be conquered. God has seen what he's done, and he is about to be overthrown. And that very night, that king, King Belshazzar, is killed. And a new group of people comes in and takes over, the Medes. All right, so Daniel's on king number three. Daniel's life spanned the 70 years that the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon. When you read through it, it's sort of a short book, so it can seem like these things just happened one after another. But no, this story took a long time, and Daniel remained faithful throughout all these years in this foreign land. And he didn't have weekly Bible studies going on. He didn't have a church down the street where he could go to and get reminded of who God was and who he was called to be. He had to keep himself stirred up. He had to stir up his own faith and remind himself and keep in touch with God throughout this time. All right, chapter six. So Daniel is old now. 
This takes place toward the end of the captivity. Daniel is possibly in his 80s at this time, but he is still faithful to God. And so some of the administrators in this new government, they aren't happy that Daniel has this prominent position. Who is this guy praying to this weird God of a land that got conquered a long time ago? What, what is with this old dude? He shouldn't be in charge of anything. We need to get him out of there. And so they devise a plan. And they convince the king to pass a law that for 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone or anything other than the king will be thrown into the lion's den. So what does Daniel do? He remains faithful to God. Just like he's always done, three times a day, he goes up to his room. He goes to the window and faces towards Jerusalem and prays to the true God. Well, that's just what they were waiting for him to do. They were watching at that window. There he is. He's, pray he's praying. He's not praying to the king. All right, we got him. Get him. And so they, they take him. They capture Daniel. And he has to be thrown into the lion's den. It's the law. The king isn't, doesn't even really want to do it, but he has to. They throw him in the lion's den. But God protects him. And he is brought out unharmed. God delivers him from the danger. And then, so that's the first half of the book of Daniel. All right? Then chapters 7 through 12 get into some prophetic visions that Daniel has, foretelling things that are going to happen in Daniel's future, things that hadn't happened yet at Daniel's time. He sees these visions telling him about what God is still going to do. Those get kind of complicated. There's different interpretations about what those visions mean. So I'm not going to get into those today. But if you're interested, it's an interesting topic. Uh, Pastor Chris loves to talk about it. He'd be, he would love to sit down with you, just set up a time with him. He will go through it in detail. Every Daniel's 70th week. Yes, it'll be great. I encourage you to check that out. All right. So for tonight, we're looking at the long story short. What can we learn from Daniel's life? Well, God wants us to be faithful. All right. Is that clear enough? Is that obvious? God wants us to be faithful to him. Daniel was faithful to him, and God was with Daniel throughout his life in every situation. Even when he faced danger, God was with him. Even in this foreign land where they worshipped other gods, the true God was still God, and he was still there with Daniel at all times. And he is with us at all times. He wants us to be faithful to him and remember who our God is, who the true God is, who we serve. God's story is not over. Even when it might look like the story is over, God's story is not over. God is still God. Think back to the beginning of the book of Daniel. It looked like the story of Israel was over. But it couldn't be over 
there were still promises that God had made that hadn't been fulfilled yet. And God fulfills His promises. Amen? Amen. He does. So, God's story couldn't be over because there was more that God said He was going to do. It might look like the story's over. If you look at worldly events, God's story is not over. Daniel remained faithful to God, knowing that there had to be more to the story that God was revealing. And God used the events of Daniel's life to encourage Daniel and to hopefully encourage us as well. God showed something to me this week as I was studying the book of Daniel. The events in Daniel's life parallel the story of Israel. This long story short, guys, pay attention. This story that we've been going through over these past several weeks, the events in Daniel's life kind of walk you through those over again. All right? Take a look at it. See if you agree with me. It starts out, Daniel is taken into captivity into a foreign land, just like Joseph was sold into slavery, became a slave in Egypt. Then Daniel interprets a dream for the king, and he gets a position of prominence. Where have we heard that before? Joseph interpreted, interpreted a dream for Pharaoh, and he becomes second in the land of Egypt. Then, Daniel's people, his fellow Israelites, are persecuted. They're in danger, but God delivers them out of it to a better place. There's even a golden idol involved. This kind of sounds like when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness to his promised land. Then there's a prideful king who has to be humbled and then comes back and worships God. That happened in Israel. Time and again, the kings got haughty and had to be reminded that God is God and they are the king over God's people. Then there's another king, an idolatrous king, and he is sent a message by God through a prophet and then that kingdom is conquered by another land. Does this sound familiar at all? It's sort of come full circle. That's, that's sort of where we started. The nation of Israel got, wasn't following God's rules, and they got conquered by a foreign land. And then that happened again in Daniel chapter 5. Do you see how these events follow some of the major events in the story of the Bible that we have studied so far? My, you see that? Why? Why did God do that? Why did God put that in there? In theory, to encourage Daniel that as these things were happening, Daniel could remember the story that happened before. God is still God. God is still true. But Daniel didn't seem like he needed that much encouragement. He was pretty faithful to begin with. 
Maybe it was to encourage the people around Daniel. Hey, remember, something like this happened before. And God did this. God delivered. God saved. God can do miraculous things. You know that God is still around. God is still at work. God is in this situation here today. As you guys are about to get thrown into the furnace, God is still with you. God is still God, even here in Babylon. And maybe God put that parallelism, put that story in there to encourage us, to remind us about God's story. Because we need to remember the story of the Bible. That's why we're doing this whole sermon series. We need to repeat it and remember all that God has done to encourage ourselves and build up our faith. Daniel probably recognized some of these events as well. Daniel's God was true back when these things happened, back in the olden days in the Bible. Daniel's God was still true, the true God with Daniel in Babylon, and he is still God today. Amen? Amen. Daniel's God's promises were true back when he made them. They were still true in Daniel's time. And they are still true today. Amen? Amen. We need to get a hold of that. We need to remember that. When it looks like the story is ending, remember, God is still God. God is still at work. God's promises are still true. He is still with us. There is more for God to do. God's story isn't finished. But, so if chapter 5, Daniel chapter 5, lines up with the beginning of the book of Daniel, then what about chapter 6? That's the one with the lion's den. What does that line up with? Well, in a way, God is foreshadowing things that are, Yet to happen. Daniel is captured. Right? He is thrown into a dangerous place. But after a time, he is brought back out, unharmed and restored to his place. Everybody see that? Well, this foreshadows that the Israelites were taken out of their land. And they were forced to live in a dangerous place, in a foreign land, Babylon. But after a time, they would be restored back to the land of Israel. God was going to do that. God did that. And God sort of foreshadowed that he was going to do that through the story of Daniel in the lion's den. God's story isn't finished. And he has still some amazing things to do. And not only that. If Daniel chapter 6 foreshadows things that are still going to happen in Daniel's future, there's something else we might be able to see there. Let's see if we can recognize any other patterns. See if anything else sounds familiar here. So, Daniel chapter 6 is the story of an innocent man, a righteous man, who has a strong relationship with God. He has a strong faith in God, and because of it, he is arrested, sort of under false pretenses, and he is sentenced to death. 
he is put into a stone chamber, and it even says that a big stone is rolled over the opening. And then later, he should be dead. But he is alive. Is that, does any of that sound familiar to y'all? Who does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus. Yes, God is foreshadowing that Jesus is coming. That the Savior is coming. That Jesus will be put into the tomb and arrive alive. Arise alive three days later. We can see that in the story of Daniel. Long story short, it's all about Jesus. The whole story of Daniel is a story of deliverance. Of God being with his people. Being with those who are faithful to him even in dangerous times. And helping them out of a dire situation. Being with them and helping them and saving them. Is Jesus a savior? Yes. Jesus is God with us. And even when we face the worst. The fact that we have sinned and fallen away from God. And we are doomed. Jesus came down and is able to pull us out of the danger. And restore us back. God is a deliverer. Jesus is our Savior. And we can see that in the book of Daniel. Jesus appears all throughout the book of Daniel. In the prophetic visions that Daniel has in the latter half of the book, he sees a vision of Jesus. Jesus hadn't been born yet at Daniel's time, but Daniel sees a vision of the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, in Daniel chapter 7, starting at verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Verse 14, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Hallelujah. Amen. That's Jesus. Do you see it? That's talking about Jesus. And that's not the only place. Think back to King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. I described that to you a little bit. His first dream. Do you remember, do you remember the rock that wasn't made by human hands that comes and smashes the statue? This is Daniel's interpretation of the meaning of that rock. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Verse 45. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. That rock is Jesus. Who is the only king whose kingdom will endure forever? His name is Jesus. Amen. He is the stone which the builders rejected. He came from God. He was not made by human hands. That is Jesus in the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, as interpreted by Daniel. 
God gave him a picture of Jesus and God gave him a picture of what he was still going to do, where this story was going. This story is not finished. Jesus, God, is coming and he's going to establish a kingdom that will fill the whole earth and will never end. God is still at work. His story is not over. Amen. That was true in Daniel's time, and that is still true today. Clap your hands if you believe that. If our musicians would come, it might have seemed like the story was over before Daniel's story had even began. But it couldn't be. God had promised to send a Savior who would reign forever, but He hadn't sent Him yet. God still had more to do. Daniel knew that the story wasn't over, and he remained faithful to God, and he became a part of God's story and a model of faithfulness to us. God, Daniel knew that God's story was not over, and he wasn't shy about telling people. He told the king, the king of this pagan land, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God who endures forever. His kingdom will endure forever, King Nebuchadnezzar. I serve a God who is real, who is the one God, the true God, and he is still at work and doing things. And because Daniel told his story, because he acknowledged God's story, we know about it today. He is in our Bible today. We can read his story and be encouraged ourselves do you tell other people about God's story? Do you tell other people about what God has done in your life? God is at work today. God is at work in each of our lives. His story is not over. Sometimes we encounter a situation where it looks like the story is ending for us personally. Maybe we get a medical diagnosis. And I'm sorry, but there's no hope. It looks like the story's over. Sometimes we get a phone call. Maybe a job goes away. An opportunity. A thing that we had hoped for. Maybe, maybe it's because of choices that we've made in our life. It's ruined. It's over. The story's over. Or maybe it's because of situations beyond our control that put us into a position that we didn't want to be in. And now everything that I'd hoped for, everything that I dreamed of, how I envisioned my life, that story's over. The story is not over. God's story for you is not over. God is still God. His promises are still true. God can do all things, and God is with you no matter what situation you find yourself in. We need to know His story. We need to know all the things that God has done so that when we find ourselves in a situation that seems impossible, we remember that God can do it. God can see us through it. His story is not over. It may not work out the way that I thought it would, but God has more for me. God has more for my story. I want to be a part of God's story. 
I want to see where God's story for my life is going to lead me because I know it will lead me to great things if I'll only remain faithful to him. Amen? Amen. Are God's promises still true? Does God still hear us when we call out to him? When we reach out in prayer, does God still receive that? Yes, he does. We're going to end tonight in a time of prayer. If you need prayer, I want you to come up close up to the stage. We'd be happy to pray with you. But I want some people to come tonight and welcome God and say, God, I know your story is not over. I know there is more of your story for my life. I want to be a part of your story. I want to see where you are leading me. Especially if you have faced a situation where it looks like the story has ended. God, I welcome you into this situation. It might seem like a foreign land. It might seem like Babylon. God, I know you are still God. I know you are still with me right here. He is with us tonight here. These altars are open. Come and talk to God. He is here for you. And there is no situation that he will not see you through. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.